Hey guys, it's Melissa here. Welcome to another episode of Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness. I am so excited today because we have a very special guest with us. We have with us today, Miss Barbie Engel, who is a chronic pain patient as well as a chronic pain advocate. And she is the author of nine books. She is helping other people to manage their pain and to live their absolute best lives. So I cannot wait to get started talking to her today. Before we get started with today's episode, we have a word from our sponsor, Ohio Hauntings and Legends Podcast. If you are interested in all things hauntings, this is the podcast for you, and you don't have to be from Ohio to enjoy it. Don't take my word for it. Just listen to our sponsors. Hello, and welcome to the Ohio Hauntings and Legends Podcast. We will be taking you to places you have never dreamt of going. Hundreds, if not thousands, of haunted and abandoned locations. We will visit with the paranormal from your nightmares and try to understand the unexplained. Ohio alone has 88 counties within our state, and virtually each one of those counties has a story to tell. Ohio's history is bloodstained throughout its history. We will be covering more than just Ohio. We will cover the state you live in, the country. Trust me, there are thrills, chills, and we are upping the fright factor with each new stop we make. We will be traveling the world, the globe, looking for the strange, the mysterious, and the frightening. Mostly, we will find the unexplainable. Many of these episodes are genuine. Others are legend or hearsay. Believe those that you choose or believe in none. It is your choice. Just get comfortable, sit back, dim the lights, and listen. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Barbie. Thank you, Melissa. I'm so excited to be here and excited to share with you and your audience about my journey. And, and hopefully people can take little seeds of, of what I say today and then plant them and have a tree when they need it of knowledge. I love that. Yeah, I cannot wait to hear all about your journey because um, I know personally with my own family, we're going through sort of a health crisis with my mom. and it's one of those things where traditional and conventional medicine is failing us right now. And so we're really digging and trying to look for alternative methods of healing for her. So I cannot wait to hear your story because it sounds like you kind of had the same thing where you had to go around the conventional traditional ideas and come up with your own solutions. So before you tell us how you did that, why don't you just give us a little bit of a background about you, who you are and your journey, how did this start for you? I started off, I grew up as a cheerleader. I was coaching, I was on top of the world, living my best life and had full awesomeness in my life. And from there, I had a minor car accident. Just before the car accident, a few years before, I went through endometriosis and um, ended up having a full hysterectomy and a oophorectomy and, thought I had conquered the world. So I didn't think anything else could ever bother me again. I couldn't have children of my own, but I was a head collegiate coach at a university and I was responsible for 56 student athletes. And I thought there was, you know, I wasn't missing out on anything because I was able to, to have all these student athletes in my life. This eight second car accident changed my life. And that, um, 
really, they told me I would be better in three or four days. And here we are almost 20 years later from the car accident. And it triggered an autoimmune disease that started attacking my body. I didn't know what was wrong. All I knew was I could not live the life I was living and everything around me was falling apart. And it took me a while, it took me about three years to get the proper diagnosis and another four years to get the right treatment. I was bed bound and wheelchair bound most of that time. And um, I still tried to hold on to my life. <laughs> I didn't wanna give that up. And the harder I held on, the harder it got to live. And um, I had to find a way. So that's kind of how my journey started was an eight second car accident. And they said, you have whiplash and you'll be better in three or four days. And that was not true. But neither the doctors I saw or myself knew exactly what it was. It turned out to be a rare disease. Oh my gosh. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. And talk about life changing. Yikes. Everything in my life changed. I, I went from um, having a lot of money, having my own cheer and dance training company, uh, being a head coach at a Division I A university, um, married for almost 10 years to um, losing my marriage, losing my job, losing my company, going on to food stamps for a while, um, lost the ability to drive. I literally lost all the things I had worked my whole entire life to build and uh, had to start over. And I thought, you know, this is the end of the world, end of my life, but I learned and bounced back and, and struggled, but was able to rebuild a life and it's different, but I'm excited that I was able to do that. Yeah, I really love talking to people who have had to go through adversity because I think, and I've been saying this in my podcast, there's something different about you and about others like you because for many people, if that had happened to them, they would have just laid down and said, okay, I'm down for the count, I'm out. I'm not gonna try anything else because I'm just gonna listen to the doctors who are telling me that there's nothing else. Um, and I know so many people who do that, who just, when they get knocked down, they stay down. But then there are people like you who decide that they're not gonna be knocked down for the count and that they are gonna get back up again and get back up even better. So how did you start doing that? I turned to all the things I learned in cheerleading. And I remember as a child, my dad would say, how are you down there smiling and cheering and performing when your team is losing so bad? <laughs> and, um, it, you know, the football team's supposed to be out there and, and win the game every time, but there's always a winner and always a loser every game. And when I had to look at my health and my life and, and it seemed that I kept losing and losing and losing all the things that I loved in my life, I turned to those skills that I learned in cheerleading to keep going, keep performing, keep smiling, even though we're losing 50 to zero in the moment. Uh, life was no longer about doing backflips across the football field. It was now about how do I make it to the next day and what's the best way to get there for myself, for my health, for the who I am. It was not always, I, I thought I would always be that physical cheerleader. I had to turn into being a mental cheerleader and taking those skills of time management, responsibility, digging down deep, even when you're in the darkest times and use that hope that 
that was always there, although sometimes there was less uh, than, than I thought I could use or needed. Uh, I dug down deep and found it and was able to, when it was too big and it seemed too daunting or too overwhelming, break it down into even smaller pieces and accomplish it. I also took the guilt off of myself. So we're pushed by society and we're pushed to be doers and, and be active. And I am a doer. However, when you're physically unable at times, you feel a lot of guilt because of all the pressures in life. And I was able to notice and recognize when that guilt was being put on me by myself or by others. And I actually started like grabbing the guilt off of my chest and dropping it away from my body and saying, I don't accept this guilt. It's gonna take me longer to do this project. It's going to take me longer to bounce back. It's going to take me longer to find a way. And like you said, the doctors are like, do this, do this. And they only knew to offer me what they learned in school. Well, they're not taught all the aspects of the human body. Like a veterinarian is taught multiple species and how to do surgery on all these different animals and all the different parts of the animals. For humans, they're not taught that. Each one looks at their own special area. And the rare disease I have, reflex sympathetic dystrophy, RSD, is something that affects multi, multiple systems of the body and every aspect of life. So nobody was looking at the big picture of me. And until I looked at the big picture of who I am, what I am, and what was going on, I wasn't able to get the help that I needed. And so that's one of the things I do now is show other people how to look at their big picture and make the big picture better. Yeah, that is so important. And you bring up a really good point because I think. I admire the medical profession, but I feel like it's kind of a one size fits all in a lot of cases and that doesn't really work for a lot of people. And when you get to a point where you go to them and you say, I'm having these issues and they say, well, this is what works when we work with other patients. This it's works for 90%. Right. Like <laughs> it I work for you too, but then it doesn't. And so then you feel right. like, what's wrong with me? Um, but I think that when you get specific like you are and looking at your own life and saying you know okay i'm not the girl next door i'm not this guy over here i'm my own person i have my own issues and i need to look at my own self but i really love that you grab the guilt and shame and throw it yes. away more yes. people need to do that absolutely absolutely that's so important it can free you to to be more open to move your boundaries. I test my boundaries, uh, you know, at least a few times a year. I say, well, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't walk this far last time I tried, but let's see if I can do it today. And maybe I can't reach the ultimate goal, but maybe I could take four or five more steps than I did the time I tried before. And knowing that I am able to push my boundaries, I can take the guilt off. And if I don't win in that moment, it's okay. If, if I, um, I have two other family members. One passed away from the same medical condition I have and one's living, trying to live with it as well. And we all needed different treatments. We all needed different options. Even though we're family, it doesn't mean we need the exact same treatment as the person next to us. And I think a lot of times we put that pressure on ourselves. Like, well, they're walking without a cane. I don't need to use my cane either. And then you can't walk as far. But if you would use that tool, you would get further in life. 
and a cane is just like a physical example, but you know, that, that could be any tool. It could be mindfulness or meditation or you know, anything to get the, the stress and, and mental aspects under control as well. Yeah, I really love using tools um, because I think it's so helpful, especially the mindfulness tools, because I think a lot of the pressure we put on ourselves and the stress of day to day lives, it does so much more damage than we realize that it does. And so those tools can help you to reverse some of that and just de-stress a little bit. So I love that you use that. Now, how did you start helping other people? who were also experiencing chronic pain? I started helping other people in a couple ways. First, um, I the year my stepsister passed away from RSD, I had applied a couple of years before that to be a mentor for patients. Um, and actually about a year before that. And, and I hadn't got matched until about a week after my stepsister passed away. I finally got the call. We found a match for you. And and so I started mentoring patients and, and that first patient that I was connected with actually became my best friend. So um, we, we kind of had the journey together over the last like, almost 20 years. But um, so I started mentoring through that, it, through that program. And then I also that same year growing up every year, my family would do a, a Christmas project. So at Thanksgiving, we would throw out ideas and then we'd all vote and say, this is the project we're going to do as a family. So it could have been like serving homeless um, meals or it could have been singing Christmas carols or going and spending time at a nursing home with elderly. And um, this that in 2006, my older brother said, you know, there, Barbie can't be the only one. Melanie couldn't be the only one to not get the help they needed. And in a timely manner, we should do something to help other people. And my dad said, that's great. All of us were on board and said, that's great. And my dad said, if we're going to do this, this isn't like a one and done kind of project like we've done in all of our lives. This is something that is going to be ongoing and, you know, we have to do it right and start a nonprofit and really actually do something that changes lives and changes society for the better. And um, so that was Thanksgiving 2006. And by January 2007, we had our nonprofits set up and started working to create projects and programs and events that can help patients. And that's really how we got started as a family project. And since then, it has grown to be an international organization. Um, we actually went through a name change. We were Power of Pain Foundation, and now we're, we still are Power of Pain Foundation um, legally, but we opened up a DBA, uh, International Pain Foundation, and we say IPAIN for short, because it more represents the reach that we have around the world to uh, multiple countries. I think we have like 17 countries now uh, that we work with um, people in those countries. And we actually have teamed up with um, the country of Uganda, their government to do a project there. And um, uh, one of our volunteers, Josie, runs that project there. And um, they do an amazing job. And just to see it grow all these years and, and our focus has stayed the same. We do education, awareness, social events, and access to care projects. And those four areas are the four areas that as a patient, the people in my family needed the most. And so that's what we're able to offer other people because there really wasn't anything in place 
to help in those four areas that, that really encapsulated what a patient, caregiver, and health professionals need to help us live better in society. So that's how we got started. And then we've definitely grown well beyond that, that you know, first initial start and idea, but um, held on to the core values and missions of the foundation. That's so awesome. That's awesome that, you know, you saw a need and you, you guys fulfilled that need. That's wonderful. And I'm so glad that you're able to do that and are helping so many people, because I think um, me personally, I've never heard of this disorder and I'm sure there are probably a lot of people who haven't. And probably many of those are the people who get diagnosed and then think what now? So the fact that you have a resource out there for them to go to is amazing. It's great that you're doing that work. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's over 7,000 rare diseases, and most people have not heard of all of them. I've only heard of a couple hundred um, myself, and I've really studied about 160-something of them and learned about them. And as I meet people along my journey, I'm able to find out about their disease and, and learn more about it. And then I, I found that in the very beginning, I only focused on my own condition. And then it was like, wait a second, I'm having these struggles because I have a rare disease, but other people have other rare diseases and they're having similar struggles, even though they have a different disease. So we very quickly, after the first year that pain was in service, we said, look, there's other people that have other challenges that are similar, that the same structure that we have in place could help them as well. And I've been fortunate to meet many, many, many patients, uh, hundreds of, not, not hundreds of thousands, but tens of thousands. Yeah. Um, and um, there's 1.5 billion people on earth that are living with pain. So obviously I can't meet them all, <laughs> but I can do my part to make a difference in as many of those lives as I can. And there's so many volunteers that also help us along the way. And, and the fact that we all have all these different diseases, but the, the, common, the commonality is chronic pain in all of them is really um, something special that even though we might not have the exact same symptoms, we know what, when we say chronic pain, we know what that pain feels like. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people who suffer from chronic pain probably also experience the same kind of emotions of maybe feeling hopelessness and depression and the different things that come on from that because um, I do know someone who was in a motorcycle accident and his spouse would always talk about, you know, the, the different difficulties that they went through because of the chronic pain that still exists. Um, 20 years after that motorcycle accident too. So yeah, I it's, it's very isolating. Mm -hmm. I, when I was, I had my car accident and I started going through this process, I lost my marriage of 10 years. Um, God had somebody better for me. So don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, but I lost my job, my livelihood, you know, I lost so many things in my life. My caregiver's also lose all those things. The only thing different is they don't suffer with the physical symptoms that I go through, but then they have the added burden of they can't take those symptoms away from me. They can offer me suggestions and support, but they also live with, I can't take this away. I want to take it away. And that's not always possible. And like, like your friend that had the motorcycle accident, 
it's it's not something that it, it's something that happened in life but it's nobody's necessarily somebody's fault and all the things that come afterwards are you know boulders in our life that we have to figure out a new way of being and a new way of doing whether we go through cut away through the boulder over under around whatever way but know that there is other ways and that once you can start seeing that okay i wanted to go straight on my path but i can't there's a boulder i have to find another way around it there's a million ways around it you just have to start trying to figure out which way to go and if that has a roadblock that comes up find another way it's it's possible to accomplish what you want to accomplish it might just look different than you thought it was going to mm -hmm. yeah i'm a big firm believer in that that sometimes things don't show up the way we thought they would but it doesn't mean that things aren't showing up it's just sometimes we have to come up with a new plan we have to go a new way and that's that's exactly what we told my mom the other day we said okay so we're not going to get to the answer the way we thought we were going to we're just going to go through a different door and we'll still get to the same place so i think that's great that you educate people on that because i think as humans we get so conditioned that if something doesn't go the way we want it to if it's out of our control we get frustrated and quit <laughs> it's like right? an easy thing <laughs> yeah it, it takes for me it takes a lot to quit something and i also have learned that unless i if i commit to it i'm gonna find a way to do it and um it's very rare that i would quit something and but there has been times that i've had to say i can't do this i'm going to pass it on to somebody else or i'm going to bring in more people to help out um but to to just quit is very tough for me it's like it would be like being at a football game and the players just walk off the field the life is my game and i got to keep going if i wake up that day until i don't wake up again the next day i got to keep going and keep finding a way to keep the game going and and know that i won't win i'm not going to be perfect i make mistakes daily and that that's okay and a lot of times when you don't have a health challenge in front of you, you don't really see that you do have the ability to keep going when you're facing something tough. It might be easier to say I quit or or just walk away. Um, for me, knowing what I've overcome with my, the health challenges that I faced all these years and the secondary conditions that came on because of them and and um it it really is something that yeah i i just not going to quit i i'll find a different way i'll find somebody to help me or I'll, I'll pass the project over to somebody else but i don't want the project to just go away or be done i have to find a way to complete it but also time's different for me and how i choose my projects are different because i want it to be something i can accomplish i don't want to lose if I have the ability to not lose, um, I will take the I will take the win, or I'll find a way to make it into a win and make it awesomeness to the fullest. Because I want it to, I want it to be a win for me. And no matter if it's a little win or a big win, I still celebrate. And um, a lot of people forget that they're like, oh, I wanted to win 
you know, 50 to zero and, and the score was 49 to 50, I barely won. Hey, a win is a win. Right. Big or small, how close it is does not matter. A win's a win, take it as a win. And maybe if, if you lost the, the battle, but you win the, the accomplishment in, in the long run, because you're not over till, it's not over till you stop. So, so keep playing. Um, it, the, the, the wins can still be celebrated, even if you don't win every single battle along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you. I think you have to celebrate every little single win. Um, and in my book, I joke about that. I said, you know, I celebrate anything, no matter how small it is. Like if I walk into the room with the plate in my hand to put it in the sink, and I actually remember to put it in the sink when I walk back out of the room, celebrate. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Or I say shake the palms. And then I got my, my nieces and nephews, they know that I'm like, this happened. They're like, shake the palms. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's a fun little visual thing of, of shaking your pom-poms but if you don't have pom-poms in your hand you can just shake your palms <laughs> yeah there you go so that. Yeah. Words, but cute yeah no you you definitely have to have a visual because i think so many people we get so discouraged by life and you could be tempted to quit at any time but i love that you're reminding people to keep going so i know that you've written nine books yes um so what are some books that you've written about that have helped people on their own journey with chronic pain? I think the, the first one that I wrote that was the, the most helpful and it's my bestseller is called RSD and Me. And um, it, it went through my, my patient journey of those first seven years of being diagnosed, being in a wheelchair, uh, going from doctor to doctor. I saw 40 42 doctors got it wrong before the 40, 43rd got it right. Wow. Um, and it, you know, documenting that journey. Um, and then um, I, I did follow-up books called Remission Possible because I did go into what they consider remission. Um, but it, remission for me was not the same. It's not the same as a cure. But in my mind, before I obtained it, I thought the goal was cure but I have a rare disease and I'm going to have it for the rest of my life. So what does remission mean? And, and, you know, that it is possible for people to obtain, but you might have to change what your um, vision of it is. So, so that was helpful for me to write it, but also other people to read it and go, Oh, wait a second. Like this could be a win for me. I just need to reframe how I was thinking this. And then, um, navigating the minefield of the health system, the pain code, uh, it, it really talks about navigating everything from um, how to, to order your medical records to what types of insurance companies are out there and which is the best policy for you and explaining all of those to doing a living will to, um, you know, how to, how to communicate with your medical professionals and then the one that's helped me like with family relationships and, and creating a great relationship with my siblings and my nieces and nephews, my niece and nephews um, is called Aunt, Bar Aunt Barbie's Invisible Endless Alley. And that's a children's book. My brother animated the children's book and um, or illustrated it. And he's an animator and he illustrated it. And um, that really brought me very close with especially my four youngest 
um, nephews and niece to the point we have really great relationship and it teaches them how to how to interact with me the best way possible but it also teaches other families they can use it as a tool for their family to say this is you know aunt barbie or grandma or mom or dad or whoever it is in your life um, this is how you can best interact with them sometimes they're going to need breaks sometimes they're they're going to need the lights down low or quiet time but that doesn't mean they don't love you and this is how they can show their love and it and it teaches that kind of relationship and so that's a special one to me i did one on relationships with my husband um and and keeping that closeness even if you can't um, be physical as much as you want or as often as you want how you can get through that and stay close uh spiritually and mentally um with your partner so um I have a wide variety of topics that I cover. Yeah, you do. <laughs> so that's awesome. Um, I love that you wrote a book too about patients like advocating for themselves too, because I just did a podcast myself about that on my Patreon page, because I'm learning so much going through all of this with my mom that you really have to be educated. And know what you're doing and what you're talking about, because we had so many physicians who were trying to bully us into making certain decisions that we didn't want to make um, because they didn't want to deal with, you know, they didn't want they to deal want with offer you what they want to offer you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they make you feel bad. They'll say statements like, um, this is all there is. No, this isn't all there is. This is all they have to offer you. There's other right. providers that have other choices and options. So yeah. don't ever feel pressured into doing that particular treatment. Find out what will be best for you that you are comfortable with. You, the caregiver, the, the, the patient, the, the whole team has to be on board. And you want to look for medical professionals that are willing to be on your team, but let you be in charge what do i want to do with my body what am i okay with what am i not okay with as a family my um, father-in-law just passed away on november 30th and um and he said he had signed a do not resuscitate he was in the hospital and he signed a do not resuscitate and his children my my husband and his brother um said will you please try a ventilator for give us four days because they thought if if he had four days he he um had copd but he also in emphysema he also got covid and they and he also had a, a bladder infection and a kidney stone no. all at the same time yeah. so his body was way overwhelmed yeah. and they thought yeah. if you try the ventilator for like four days it could get you over this hump and maybe it, it would be okay and his dad had said i I don't want to do it and um and the hospital was suggesting it and he said he didn't want to do it so at first they were like okay um he's done he's not going to do it and then they they said please dad four days and and his dad said okay i'll do four days and he actually survived five days on the ventilator um and then passed away but it got us through thanksgiving <laughs> and you know through the end of the month and and um and the day before he passed away the nurse walked into the icu and he literally sat up and smiled 
in a coma, he sat up and smiled to the nurse as if like, I'm still here. I'm trying. Like I gave him four days and I'm, I'm, I gave him, you know, and he ended up giving him five days, but it helped give us as a family time to prepare and know he's about to pass away. And he did this for, for his sons. He tried this for his sons. Um, but you know, the hospital wanted him to try. We wanted him to try and he, he fought till the very end. And, um, even after the ventilator was turned off and his oxygen was down to 40, which you can't be sustained on that. He still was trying to, to keep going. And, um, until they said, it's okay, you can, you can go now, go, go to heaven, go be with Jesus. Um, he, he, he really was trying to push through it and live and, and, um, have that, you know, have more time here on earth, but it, you know, yeah. it has to be up to the patient to know what they want and what they're willing to do and, and who they're doing it for, or, you know, doing it for themselves. Yeah. That matters too. Absolutely. And it's so important to have doctors who listen. <laughs> so yeah. Important. Um, you know, and I felt like that was one of the issues we had was we just had you know, doctors who were coming in and they, they just wanted to do what by the books and, you know, we, it's like, why are you trying to put her through things she doesn't need to have? It was frustrating. So I, I really I a, can sympathize with that. Yeah. I had a doctor tell me he did a vascular study on me and he said I was going to die if I didn't have emergency surgery. I didn't ask questions. I didn't, I just trusted and believed. And he um, rushed me into surgery and he made a mistake during surgery. And he also didn't have a proper diagnosis for me. And so I didn't need the surgery looking back. Um, I didn't need the surgery. I had major complications, including five lung collapses and um, an additional uh, two surgeries. And um, I was overtreated, undertreated, and mistreated, and it was all because the doctors didn't know what they were even trying to treat. They were looking at individual parts of you instead of you as a whole being, yeah. or me as a whole being. That's that's what they're trained to do. And and um, now I know to say like doctors in medical school, they're trained that if it sounds like a horse and and it and it leaves horse footprints, that just put it in the pasture with the horses. And sometimes the horse is a zebra. Yeah. And you, you thought that that you're putting the the horse in the in in out with the other um, horses out there in the pasture, but really you just threw a zebra out there. And how is the zebra supposed to survive and be strong on its own? It's not going to work. Yeah. And um, and sometimes it's a, it's a zebra fish, and you were totally wrong. And you thought it looked and sounded like as a horse, and it's really a zebra fish, and it needs water instead of oxygen. And so um, being open to that and having a doctor that can say, look, I don't know, but let's figure this out together. is exactly. very important. Yeah, exactly. And I think now there's so many different kinds of treatment out there, whether it's conventional medicine or there are natural medicine doctors yes. out there and healers. And I think that's so fabulous that you have so many different types of treatment options available now. Absolutely. There's hundreds of treatment options for my condition, but many conditions. 
you know, there's not necessarily a cure, but there's options that we can choose. And it's typically people want that one magic pill. There's no one magic pill. You have to do a variety of treatments to have your best daily living. And in real in realizing that it's not going to be one provider and, and one secret medicine that they're going to hand you. It's doing different combinations of options until you find what gives you your best moments and your best life. And um, it's not going to be the same as the person sitting next to you, even if they have the exact same condition, even if they're your identical twin sibling, you are going to need something different. So be open to that. Yeah, absolutely. And now you also work with people in coaching, right? Is that right? And helping them in there? Well, I mentor patients. And um, and so it's kind of off of my coaching background. And I also have a degree in social psychology uh, from George Mason University. So um, I am able to use some of the things I learned in uh, getting my degree. But um, now I I mentor peer-to-peer mentoring. So not necessarily as a as a professional with like a psychiatry degree, but more of a a peer-to-peer mentor where I can um, help patients navigate the health system, um, organize their medical care, their medical records, their billing. I've saved thousands of dollars on my uh, medical expenses, just learning how to read a doctor bill properly and how to read an explanation of benefits from the insurance company and comparing the two and I spent thousands of dollars in medical bills that I didn't need to spend. Um, I've had over a million dollars in medical bills. Um, I also had insurance companies say, um, we want you to try this cheaper medication before we pay for the one that you found that works for you. And it's called step therapy. And I learned how to navigate that part of the health system to the point of, of getting through step therapy a lot quicker. And um, when that has come up for myself, and so I can mentor patients into doing that same process so they can get the medications that they need. And it comes down to keeping track of your medical records. If there's mistakes in your medical records, getting them corrected, getting those corrections on file, um, and and really following up and doing your part in having uh, an understanding of what your responsibilities are as a patient because we're not taught those things. I think we should be. I think it should be taught, you know, Absolutely. at different levels all the way from elementary school all the way through um, high school. This is how you navigate the health system, but that's not happening. So until then, I'll keep mentoring patients and we helping. We have a better healthcare system. That's, there's a novel idea. <laughs> how about that? You know, I say the healthcare system is working exactly as designed very yeah. poorly. Yes. Very exactly. poorly, but it's how they designed it. So, right. They, People, you know, insurance companies and whatnot can make a lot of money, but it doesn't always benefit the patient and we're the end user. It should benefit the patient. So, right. yes, the whole healthcare system needs a full redesign. One of the things that came out of the pandemic was telemedicine, telehealth, and um, it, will, it actually started before the pandemic and I've been using it since 2015, but the rest of the world you know, the, the America, at least um, in Canada and some other countries have telemedicine, telehealth now, where you can talk to your providers online, you can do uh, uh, um, behavioral counseling and mental counseling online, and 
um, have that covered or at a reasonable fee, as well as not get exposed to other germs and things that are in those doctor's offices that right. you have to be exposed to if you go in person. Or like um, you don't feel like getting, you know, often too, if you have to go to the doctor, you just don't even feel well enough to get out. So exactly. it's nice to have like, that option too. Yes. And you've like, delaying your care can cause an avalanche of symptoms and challenges that come on and affect you in a very negative way. And it's really important to make sure you're not delaying care. Telehealth does that for us. And I'm really excited. Here in Arizona, our um, governor signed into law a bill that has our telehealth continue even after the pandemic and everything settles down and we go back to a, a new normal yeah. <laughs> um, that is going to stay in place and and um, and we can continue to to have that as a tool in our lives. That's awesome. Hopefully I love that for counseling too. I think that's so helpful because a lot of people there's a stigma to that they think so not having to leave their house I think really helps with that. Yes. Now I want to ask you too because you have this broad spectrum of things that you have done in your life. You've even been on reality television. So tell us a little bit about that too. Uh, I do that to actually raise awareness. So um although I'm being paid to be on in in a part of reality television, I do it so that people will learn my name, maybe look me up and then find out about my journey and the tips and tools and resources that I can help provide society. So um, although they're silly and fun, um, I do it for a purpose and my purpose is to help society. Uh, but, and know that there is a seed of truth in reality, but then there's a, a writer or writer producers on the show. So they make well, it scripted. interesting. <laughs> yes, it is, it's, it's, it's scripted reality. Um, as it, I, I like to say, um, if there was no reality, if, if reality had to be real, there'd be no reality. <laughs> so, uh, but there is a seed of truth in every storyline. Yeah. Um, but then you act it out six times. And by the sixth time you're acting it out, it's not the original seed of truth. Right. Keep that I, in mind. That, we just went to a taping of uh, America's Got Talent one time. Yes. And I saw that firsthand because <laughs> the, the act performed and everyone clapped and then they're like um we need more of awesome. a reaction from the crowd so can we're gonna film you guys applauding again and this time stand up and cheer and yep there you go. okay yes that's exactly it as well i mean like inside secrets but um america's got talent other similar shows they actually do precasting where they say Hey, we like your act. We like you singing or magic trick or whatever it is. We, or you're really funny and we need to have some that are automatically going to get X'd off. And, and they plan and prepare some of those acts. Yeah. So <laughs> ahead of time. So you think it's like just these people showed up and tried out, but they actually said, come and come at this time and try out. Yeah. And then the audience is, is, yay no let's do that reaction again yay yeah <laughs> so this is it's the same but um i i was on a tlc show called extreme time cheaters and in the united we filmed like eight episodes but in the united states they played the same one episode like 21 times so far so like when's the rest coming but um so 
so that one was really awesome and gave us the biggest look into reality television. But um, my husband, Ken, yes, we're Ken and Barbie. Um, we actually did the Ken and Barbie show on digital reality and, and have had different sponsors over the nine seasons that we take to that. And then I also did shows like Brainstormers on the Weather Channel and My Next Move on the Style Channel and um, uh, the Newlywed Game on the Game Show Network. And um, I was on the talk and the doctors and um, Hey Steve, which is the Steve Harvey show. He had a segment called Hey Steve. And um, we've got about 4 million views on that segment that we did about our pool. So, and, and, and in case you go back and watch it, we have a pool boy now. Um, <laughs> we moved and we, have, and we have a community pool now instead of a private backyard pool, which my husband was wanting to, he's like, I wanna take care of it. And I'm like, but you're not taking care of it. So, um, <laughs> so, so, so we had a little fun segment about that. And now we have a pool boy, or actually he's like 75 years old, but um, <laughs> that not keeps typical the pool. pool boy, but <laughs> not your typical pool boy, but, but yes, we have him helping out now. And um, so in case you see that, but it's a lot of fun to do these segments and, and they're not all about health. They're like you said, it's a wide variety, but it all comes back to we're Ken and Barbie, I'm Barbie Ingle where you know how do you find me what are we talking about why do i need a pool boy why am i not out there cleaning the pool yeah. and it all leads back to my health and my physical limitations and then people can find out about that and get motivated and you know that we also have this fun side but we also have a reality of living life on a daily basis and what that takes yeah they get to see the whole picture that way <laughs> I love that you're doing that, though, because I think it's important to get your name out there. And, you know, it's hard to do being a business person, person who has a podcast. It's not always easy to get your name out there. So any way you can do it sometimes. Good. <laughs> right, right now, I'm a, um, I'm a an ambassador for Salon Paws. And um, that, you know, came through my being exposed in the media. Uh, through telling my story on the local and national news to doing all this reality television stuff. And um, they found me through that. So, um, which was funny because like a year ago, I wrote him and was like, hey, I think I'd be a great influencer for you. I love your products. Can you have me on or can I do something with you guys? And then that never got a response. And then they went and searched the, the interwebs and found me and said, hey, we'd like to have you do this. So I was like, I've been trying to get your attention for a year. I didn't um, ask you about this. What's yes. <laughs> um, so, so, so I have that contract through um, June uh, 2022. And then next month, I'm filming a documentary um, that, that will get a lot of publicity in 2023. So I have things in the pipeline that are coming out. And I'm very excited about them. And, um, and so, but that's like the two big things that are, like the salon pause just started and um, and then the documentary, I'm, they're sending a film crew here to Arizona and we get to go into all my doctor's appointments and infusions and they're gonna follow me and my husband around and, and show what it takes to live my life from the healthcare perspective. That's awesome. You'll have to keep us updated on when that comes out because I would love to see that. And I'm sure our listeners probably would too. Maybe you can come back on when it's 
after it's aired so that we can talk about it. But um, I love everything that you're doing and bringing awareness to not only this disease and chronic pain in general and people who maybe have limitations, but also teaching people that your limitations don't have to limit you. I love that you have lived your life that way and you're helping others to do that. So I wanna thank you again for everything that you're doing. It's just amazing and you're an amazing person. Oh, thank you, Melissa. Yes. And I think you're awesome. And I think Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness is a great podcast. I appreciate everything that you're doing. And I think everybody listening should give you a five-star rating and tell you how awesome you are. Leave a comment wherever you're watching from and, um, and show Melissa how awesomeness she is and give her five stars. Ah, thank you. I would love that. That would be so awesome. <laughs> Let's cheer her on. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I would love that. That's so awesome to have some cheerleaders. I know I definitely have some awesome listeners out there who are definitely my cheerleaders sometimes. Now, I want to ask you if there's anyone out there listening who maybe would like to get a copy of your book or maybe they want to work with you and have you mentor them if they're going through maybe some um, difficult times right now in their own health journey what's the best way for them to do that the best way for them to find me is my name barbie ingle you can google it you can go to my website which is my name barbieingle.com and all of my social media uh, handles are at the top right of the screen on my website and then if you need uh, more specific help with chronic pain you can um, go to internationalpain.org and find out more information about International Pain Foundation, as well as all of our projects and programs, and all of the social media for International Pain is linked at the top of their website. And you can find out about all of our projects, our yearly summit and the November project and our RC Awareness Quilt, which is the international project and um, all the other things that we have going on with the foundation. Awesome. And I'm going to have the link to your website in the show notes too. So if you want to go and follow her, get the book, just get any other kind of information, you can just click directly from the show notes. Um, so the last thing that I usually ask my guests is to leave our listeners with a little bit of wisdom for the day. And I know you've already given us so much, but if you have one piece of advice that you could leave for our listeners today, what might that be? I would tell your listeners to always have hope. There's great reason for hope because there is help. All you have to do is reach out and seek it. Awesome, exactly. I was just telling my mom this the other day. I love that, love it, love it, love it. So thank you so much for being here with us and sharing your journey and, and doing the work that you do to help others. I think that is so amazing. And thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me, Melissa. And I want to thank all of you for being here with us today, too. As always, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening. And the greatest compliment you can pay me is to share this podcast with others. Also, I want to encourage you to follow me on social media. And if you want to work with me, you can go to my website, melissaoven.com. There you'll see all the services I offer. You can even book a free discovery call with me to see how I can best serve you. I want to thank you guys for being here today. I am sending you guys so much love and light. I hope you have a beautiful day from wherever you're listening, and I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys.